Hello, everybody. That's right. Welcome to the show, Nerdin' and Learning. It's me, your host, Hey Channing. How we doing? Uh, this is episode nine. It is the 21st of May of 2018. I'm getting a haircut tomorrow. If you know the song, it's Gauchino Rossini, the Barber of Seville. Uh, I chose this because I felt that uh, in the spirit of getting my hair cut and maybe something to talk about with, uh, uh, it's going to be a top shelf, uh, brewery, <laughs> top, uh, top shelf, uh, barbershop with Javier. I believe he's the owner at 9am because I got a busy day tomorrow and I need to get it done early. And my hair is super long as you probably saw on the Instagram. Uh, so hello everybody. How's the weekend? How are you? Uh, we have a lot to talk about the Ace of shield, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. finale, Deadpool 2 was great. Uh, we got some Spider-Man news. Uh, we got some uh, We got some UFC news. We got a lot going on right now, so I definitely don't want to waste any time. We have to talk about the Preakness and the Black-Eyed Susan race, and more, uh, more importantly, uh, Comic-Con, and I suppose... Oh, yeah, some of this Lord of the Rings news. There's a lot of news. Uh, it's definitely a, a news... Newsworthy, newsworthy Monday. Uh, that's right, because it's been a busy weekend. Um, all right, let's go get to the show. But real quick, uh, barber from the Latin word uh, barba, beard, is a person whose occupation is mainly to cut, dress, groom style, and shave uh, individuals' hair. A, uh, a barber's place of work is on his barbershop or a barber's. Barbershops are also a place of social interaction and public discourse. In some instances, barbershops are also public forums. They are locations of open debates, voicing public concerns and engaging citizens in discussions about contemporary issues. They were also influential in helping shape uh, identity. They help shape identities, and that that's definitely certain. Uh, especially when you want to address toxic masculinity and really unpack what it means, you can address. You can kind of notice it at certain places, and barbershop is definitely one of the places where you can really kind of chip away at some toxic masculinity or make it worse. It's, it's, it's really interesting. Terry Crews made a good point. Check his Instagram. He, he said he, he, he has great quotes. He reads a lot, that's for sure. When you read a lot, you tend to say great things. In previous times, barbers known as barber surgeons also performed surgery and dentistry with the development of safety razors and the decreasing prevalence of beards in English-speaking cultures. Most barbers now specialize in, cut in cutting scalp hair as opposed to facial hair. Um, let's see. Moving, move, let's move ahead here a little bit. Uh, I want to oh, because I wanted to get to the history and and the and the relevance of, of how you know, you used to cut your hair back in the day because, you know, you had to use hand tools. You didn't always have this cool tech and, and all these wonderful classes where you could really intellectualize and maybe provide, uh, learn how to digitally enhance your, your, uh, your trade, right? Your craft. And, and I think there's certainly, um, I think there's something to be said for people that really developed incredible fucking haircuts without electricity. And uh, top shelf, they, they certainly pay homage to the the classics because you can go back all the way to the 19th century, you know the the late 1800s. There there were a lot of individuals doing crazy things. Uh, 
1893, A.B. Muller of Chicago established a school for barbers. This was the first institution of its kind in the world, and success was apparent from its very start. It stood for higher education in the ranks, and the parent school was rapidly followed by branches and nearly every principal of the United States. In the beginning of barber schools, only the practical work of shaving, haircutting, facial treatment, etc. was taught as neither the public nor the profession were ready to accept scientific treatments for hair, uh, scientific treatments of hair, skin, and scalp. Not until about 1920 was much effort made to professionalize the work. In the early 1900s, an, al an alternative word for barber was uh, chirotonzer. C-H-I-R-O-T-O-N-S-O-R came, came into use in the USA. The barber, Sam Mature, uh, whose interviews with Studs Turkle, that's T-E-R-K-E-L, was published in Turkle's 1974 book, Working. It says a man used to get a haircut every couple weeks. Now he waits a month or two. Some of them, even longer than that. A lot of people get, uh, a lot of people would get manicured and fixed up every week. Most of these people retired, moved away, or passed away. It's all on account of long hair. You take old timers, they want it to look neat to be presentable. Now people don't even seem to care too much. Uh, it doesn't sound like he's, you know, being, you know, he's just thinking critically and, and is speaking from experience. And he might be right, uh, but I may, but that was, uh, despite the economic recession in 2008, the barbershop industry has seen continued positive growth. Because if you go to any major city or where it's getting, you know, gentrified or something like that, you definitely, definitely, definitely will see barbershops, you know, and, and shoot in uh, Colorado, Denver, out just outside of Denver is a great example. There's barbershops right across from each other. <laughs> and it, it's definitely, um, instead of tech, it's it's that kind of it's that kind of a trade where you can get a job anywhere if if if, if you're really good at it and then you can trade and then you can do shows and if you're not a talk you can develop a podcast. There's barbers with with amazing YouTube accounts, so there's definitely a lot of lanes that you can explore. And you know it's it's not hard to explore new avenues with barber shops. And and I think that's definitely it's one of the backbones of America, you know, and looking great. Is been is timeless, and it's cool to know know a little more about the about the the uh, there was you know uh, schools at, you know, at available and at the turn of the nineteenth century in the nineteen in the United States as African American businesses that developed that helped to that helped to develop African American culture and economy, according to Trudier Harris. In addition to its status as a gathering place, the black barbershop also functioned as a complicated and often contradictory microcosm of the larger world. It is an environment that can bolster egos and be supportive, as well as a place where phony men can be destroyed. This is not; these are not my words, but these are the words of Trudier Harris. Uh, it is a place in. Uh, at least highly shamed from participation in, in verbal contests and other contests of skill. It is a retreat, a haven, and escape from nagging wives and, and the cares of the world. I mean, yeah, it was a social network, much like a bar. So this person, it's kind of a bitter, narrow view, but uh, the, the 19th century was, it was kind of, uh, the barbershop has been a safe space, if you will. It was one of the OG safe spaces, you know, uh, the, the, the safe space daddy. I guess you could say, and, and 
I've always enjoyed having a good barber. I miss my barber, uh, Chris Pedrano, uh, great guy. Definitely be sure to check him out uh, if you're ever in the Colorado area. Hopefully, he's out of ter- that terrible town. Um, and yeah, I'm going to move on from there because that's all I really ta- have time for. I took a little too long on this, but that is interesting, I think. So let- let's move on. Um, birthday announcements. Um, it is Bruce Buffer's birthday. If you don't know who Bruce Buffer is, he is he's the official voice of UFC. He's been with them since day one. Uh, check out his podcast, It's Time, on the Gas Digital Network. Uh, you can also find uh, Luis J. Gomez there with Michael Bisping, and they have that at Michael Bisping's podcast, Believe You Me, and uh, Lisa Ann's podcast. You can find her podcast there. It's a great home. People get to think pretty freely and say, almost say whatever they want. Legion of Skanks, Big J. Okerson. There's a ton of content uh, readily available. So definitely be sure to check out the Gas Digital Network. Uh, Bruce Buffer, however, I, I will definitely say, if you ever get the chance, he also does, uh, you know, you pay however much for him to record whatever you want him to say. Say, uh, you know, you have a wedding. It's time! And you can walk out to it. It's really, really fun, and I, I definitely want to encourage everybody to check out Bruce Buffer because he's a great role model, man. He's... He's made himself uh, an, a pillar and, of, of think and a great sphere of influence. Uh, he's definitely not, he's, he, he must himself, he's not a leader. Much like Bruce Lee, he's a post. You know, he'll share how, how he got where, where he has. But, you know, it, it's just a lot of hard work and, and dedication and really sticking to your brand. And, you know, being the, the brother of Michael Buffer probably doesn't hurt. The boxing announcer. <laughs> and there's also uh, his brother, Brian Buffer, who uh, is a cop, a uh, retired cop. Uh, and so uh, good for you, buddy. You know, uh, definitely, uh, definitely a well-learned family. Parents are Connor Buffer and Joe Buffer. His, uh, their mom is amazing. She, uh, she's, she's getting on in years, but she is certainly a cool lady. So thanks, Bruce, for being a the veteran voice of the Octagon. You are definitely uh, definitely one of the people that I, I would I, I aspire to, and I am always sure to mention uh, whenever I say when, whenever I, I'm talking about whatever it is with whom I'm influenced by. Um, let's see who else's birthday. Uh, it was today Sam Smith uh, and Pete Townsend. I love Pete Townsend. Um, Townsend turned 73 today, and he and Roger Daltrey are the only two surviving original members of the Who. So definitely, I might we might need to close out with some Who uh, at the end of this. Uh, Smith is, is turned 26, and he's a singer, so... You know, young kids. It's cool to see all these people doing well. Um, fun facts about Robert Downey Jr. I, I, I actually did click on it. I'm totally not gonna lie. I love de- I love decent clickbait. They got me. Let's focus. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. So yeah. All right. First, I gotta say, Agents of Shield, the finale. We need to talk about that uh, because 
they were the obviously with the Infinity War and Thanos doing his thing. Uh, we, we certainly have, have to address in all the other Marvel properties, all these people dissing the fuck appear. Ah, officially not safe for kids anymore. 12 minutes. Pretty good. Good try, buddy. <laughs> uh, so, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the ending, um... Uh, to, to this season, I, I, I definitely enjoyed it. Coulson ended up retiring and said so it Agent May, you know, Felinda, hashtag finally, finally got to occur. Uh, Mac is now the new director uh, of, of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, Daisy turned, turned down the job because she was, she's not, she wasn't ready for it. And let's just go to IGN for this information. Um, there's, you know, there's, and there's, there's still questions. Uh, Fitz died. That was, that was really sad, but due to Fitz also being in space because, you know, time, <laughs> space time, uh, the shield is going to go find him in space. And at the same time, they're going to have their homie, uh, Chromio dude. I forget his name because he, he was actually hilarious and I, and I really appreciated his, his additions to, uh, shield. Uh, Marvel's Agents of Shield and uh, Graviton. That 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 fight with uh, with Daisy and uh, well, Chloe Bennett, Adrian Pazdar's performers did great job. But man, wow, that was cool to see her almost get absorbed and uh, by Graviton, and and then he was gonna use her quaking power in order to get to the Gravitonium that was in the planet and tear it the fuck apart. God. Damn, what that was dope. What I really liked about it is that uh, he knew what he was doing. And he didn't necessarily like it, but he didn't seem to not like it. So there was certainly a conf uh, there was uh, the conflict within the conflict. Because you, when you know what you're doing is wrong, you can generally tell. If you can remember, <laughs> you can generally tell what you're doing is wrong. And then you're going to go ahead and correct that behavior. Unless you're a fucking sociopath, which... I, I do believe at that point, um, after Talbot's incarceration, the sociopathic behavior was already, uh, there was already allowance for it because through the years when, when you're having to execute tactic that may not necessarily feel good, you probably rationalize it. And I think that can create, whenever you rationalize anything that might be, not exactly what you want to do or hurt someone, then it becomes easier and easier each time. Probably, I know that. I know that's how it is for me, and I got some survival skills, PTSD from a few things. So I, I feel that it's qualified to say for me and a, applicability over here. But I think what Talbot uh, ultimately uh, his demise was have being so broken and having all that power and not taking the time to actually earn that power. Like when you get hurt, uh, when I got hurt, I turned to reading and I turned to being a better podcaster and, and brand development. And ever since I've, I'm doing incredibly well now because I realized through, through my studies and, you know, and, uh, acting upon, you know, changes I need to actively make. I, I, had breakthroughs and earned these th the think and potential and power and I have definitely earned how I feel 
and my perspectives because they're they're not necessarily qualified but i've learned from qualified individuals and then i get to explore that information and then i get to learn about it and more importantly then ultimately uh find the relatability and use it for better seeding threading and quilting in terms of writing and story tactic because then you can really know how to engineer a story because you can be clearer and more honest with yourself because finally all the dilly dally and all the bullshit is out of the way because you've exercised and practiced mental health. And I think that's, uh, you know, the, ultimately the idea of with all these heroes is, um, all these terrible events are going on, but it's all for a greater good. And for, for people to be able to just live their lives so that's why large and life characters are super relatable because you know they, they end up sacrificing it all and then these you know small town people are home, you know hometown heroes man every day we, we we walk by heroes and we don't even know it and it's so cool that uh first responders and paramilitary of the like and everyone anyone that's qualified to be a hero uh, a hometown hero or whatever the type um, can actually be honored now because they have the platform and the accessibility of the inf of how you ever want to inform that. So it's cool. Thanks shield for helping me with that cool uh, thread right there. <laughs> uh, and let's see, I'm trying to remember if there's anything else that, that I missed. Uh, I definitely, I can't wait for Coulson to come back and Captain Marvel, uh, as his younger self, because Clark Gregg is a great performer and we're going to go ahead and definitely see, uh, cause the, the Avengers are going to find out Coulson's alive. You're going to see him because time's going to be altered, which is great for shield because shield is coming after the Avengers for a reason. So summer of 2019 is going to be a good one. I know that for sure. It's going to be hot, but that's okay. I don't mind that at all. Um, and let's go ahead and move on from S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, Deadpool 2, I think... I think I will officially... I'm going to start doing my own uh, movie review series, kind of separate from the podcast. I think that'd be a better idea. Because while it's still young, I'd like to be able to not have this be my scope of practice always is reviews but when you know it's a series uh, season finale excuse me we don't know if season six is the last season uh I, I tend to want to integrate that into the podcast because it's relevant though but deadpool 2 is great i definitely think you should go see it so uh or you know see it however you like i'll say that much uh lord of the rings the lord of the rings series it's officially um it's officially about a young Aragorn. I don't know if that's what I wanted uh, because I did like the the idea that there was gonna, there, gonna we were gonna be it was gonna be kind of about Aragorn's parents, which I think would be nice and new because his mom is actually more badass than his father. Uh, but this is this was released, uh, you know, uh, twelve hours ago, uh, by Adrian Delage on conebeanie.com, Excuse me, 
a few months ago, Amazon announced plans for a series adaptation of J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings novels. Today it has emerged that the TV remake could be focused on the life of young Aragorn, the character played by Viggo Mortensen in Peter Jackson's film trilogy. So, yeah, young, handsome dude. Uh, probably when he's, I would imagine, probably, uh, you know, during the fall of Gondor and all that, and essentially being, uh, probably just being able to use all the chaos and, you know, insert young Aragorn here. You know, all it's like art, the, uh, Adam Reed's idea with the Archer fever dream. Uh, it's, you know, just insert characters in scenario where there's chaos and, as long as they can make it interesting and, and develop a narrative. Eh. I'm not thrilled with this idea, but maybe I'm being, uh, maybe, maybe they could do some cool, uh, some cool space time stuff with it too. And, and really, really do something really interesting, but, but also grounded and relevant, but also not. And maybe a little inaccessible, but also, but still keeping it fun. I don't know. I, I don't want to go too on about this because I'm out of my lane when it comes to uh, fantasy. It's just not my thing. I just, I just, I can't really write it. I, I don't know how because I don't hold, I've never held a sword really or used one. So it, it's just, it's not really my thing. And I certainly, I certainly don't want to, don't want to, uh, I don't want, I don't want to, I don't know. Say one thing and, and mean another and sound like an asshole. That that is certainly a practice of mental health is you know you want to shut your fucking mouth. Um moving on. Jake Gyllenhaal is gonna be joining while he in talks sounds like he's gonna be uh joining uh Marvel Cinematic Universe, Spider Man Homecoming two as Mysterio. Uh many, many years ago Jake Gyllenhaal was tapped to play Spider Man, take Tobey Maguire's place. Uh, but that's not going to happen, but we just might, what would be cool is if we saw, because apparently Spider-Man's going all over the world, and what would be dope is if Mysterio was posing as Spider-Man going all over the world, because when we get that, the meta writing and, and threatened, threading to contents that are addressing the actual world, which is making fun of the meta nature of it already, uh, then we would also be able to, you know, have Tom Holland saying, "Oh man, I came, you know, I, I came back from dust for this. What the fuck, or whatever." And just all these great references without without it being Deadpool and and without him being unoriginal, because the kid's great, made me cry, you know, when he died because he was dying and being torn. He was because his he has enhanced healing, right? So he's being torn to pieces literally while he was turning to ash so he was probably in a ton of pain and tom holland just captured that really well everyone's everybody everybody's been saying that uh so that that's gonna be a lot of fun i and, I, and i'm excited for tom holland and jake gyllenhaal to work together because after seeing uh jake gyllenhaal in everything he's in do really really well uh, i i think even that stupid Prince of Persia, he he owned how amazingly awful it was. <laughs> uh, I I think Jake Gyllenhaal is going to be a great addition because it, uh, with how the Vulture was redeveloped for the the massive Kenko Unicorn, I think we'll see a much more 
grounded Mysterio that is doing developing some really cool uh, superpowers with using interesting tech and maybe Chitari tech. What and and maybe maybe something uh, Asgardian would be kind of cool, but that wouldn't make any sense unless there's people from Asgard chilling out and you happen to get Thor involved a little bit. Well, that I I mean wait no that's not that's not happening because um, Avengers Four is Chris Hemsworth final film. Uh, I don't know if I, we haven't we've seen Thor go all over. Where we haven't seen him go is Valhalla. And we need to get that payoff of that horrible, you know, his father's quote-unquote death. Uh, uh, that I think that payoff from Odin, I think, would be totally worth our time. And more importantly, I think it'd be really fun to have Loki show up. And uh, uh, insert here uh, something touching because... Uh, Chris Hemsworth and Tom uh, Tom Hiddleston, they've been working together, and and um, Anthony, Sir Anthony Hopkins, they've all been working together for how many years now? They've and rather orbiting, but still friends, and this is their last appearance together as these characters with all these people. Man, that's if Loki doesn't come back in Avengers Four for nothing, then. I, that's kind of a bummer, and as a, as I don't need that as fan service, but something that is uh, affirming that you know he, uh, four of the original Avengers are going away, two are two remain. So apparently that's what that's the rumor mill, and I don't want I don't want to speculate who it might be, but dang, I I, I need a little more than that. So that's some that's some there's some definite uh, Avengers Avengers news that that uh, we can go over, but I, I'll just discuss it and spread it out throughout episodes. Uh, flip page here. Oh, twenty six minutes. All right. Um, Preakness, justify what a race. I could not. Oh man, Bravazo, good magic. Wow, I gotta say, man, holy fuck. That was a great race. Uh, congrats, Justify, uh, a horse that was out of out of out of Northern California here. Uh, real real proud of all the people that came together uh, around this horse for uh, for for uh, this well, and more importantly, being the supportive of each other. It's definitely great to see everybody involved in horse racing, kind of put their differences aside because it's a it's. Ultimately, at the end of the day, horse racing, takeaway racing, horse. You you really need one part in order to do the other, and you know not not all horses on a ranch are are all are race horses either. Some are some they just train with. Some are there just to to help with tasks, and some are just kind of there chilling because people like to own horses. So there's a lot of horses that, uh, and well, there's a lot of animals and what and and components that are attached that help a horse win. So I think this horse ha has a staff and, and teamship that uh, we we just haven't seen since since maybe American Pharaoh. If if Justify can go 1.5 miles, because that's a that's 
The difference apparently is those 0 0.2, 0 0.3 miles. Apparently that's the difference because it's more explosive for longer. So a horse is needing to do plyometrics and a capacity where their oxygen needs uh, their oxygen use and their muscles need to be needs to be that much more optimized. So how do you win? I don't know. I'm not a fucking horse. And, and I'm not qualified to say how you win that. So uh, congratulations to Justify. Uh, let me go ahead and pull up uh, some Preakness contents. Here we go. And good, and good Magic did a great job, too. That, 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 that was close, man. I will say Good Magic almost had it. Almost. Almost. Just couldn't explode. Like Justify did, uh, just kind of just near near the near the last legs of the race, just Justify just kind of exploded and really capitalized on the slop and apparent mu must have used the the mud to uh, to to his to to his advantage. So uh, again, congratulations. Um, it was muddy and foggy. I could barely see. Saturday at the Plumlico Race Course uh, near Baltimore. So it was in Maryland. Uh, Justify Bravazo tenfold. That's right, tenfold almost took it. Almost snuck it. Almost snagged it. That would have been crazy, huh? Uh, fourth, Good Magic. Five, Lone Sailors. Six, Sporting Chance. Seven, Diamond King. And eight, Quip. Uh, Justify now looked to become just the 13th thoroughbred to win the American Triple Crown. Uh, the 13th in racing history after American uh, Pharaoh ended the drought in 2015, which also happened to be a Baffert trained horse as well. Because Joe Baffert owns uh, Justify as well. Baffert isn't worried just yet about the race in three weeks. We're going to make sure he comes out of the race. Trains well. Hard race today on him. Probably the hardest race he had, but he's getting fit. He's just a wonderful, beautiful horse. Uh, Mike Smith is the one that, uh, that brought him home, uh, the jockey. So it was, it was definitely, uh, certainly worth my time. Uh, the coverage, uh, NBC wasn't great. Uh, wasn't for younger people. I noticed, I noticed that one. Uh, well, I mean, what they had there, it was for younger people that, uh, uh, younger people that like to party a lot as opposed to, uh, maybe, intellectualize the, the the sport a little more and appreciate it more than just hanging out and partying and just drinking. Uh, that's certainly what I saw. And, and just, it, didn't, it didn't look that fun to be there. Their, uh, NBC's coverage wasn't very good. <sighs> a lot of politics. Uh, moving on. Red Ruby, congrats to Red Ruby. That horse won the Black Eyed Susan race. That, and I really enjoyed the Black Eyed Susan uh, congrats to all the racers. Uh, I certainly think we're going to see a lot more uh, great races from Red Ruby. We, who knows? Maybe Red Ruby will become the next Triple Crown. Um, we're certainly excited for that. Uh, Pope John Paul, he officially stated, it's cool if you're gay. You're born that way. I fucking love this guy. Kudos for you, buddy. Uh, and uh, he had a few things to say about toxic masculinity. Uh, I, I'm definitely really, really, really interested in uh, and and and, every, and and all and all the ways that he thinks because that's that's somebody that you certainly 
man, it's it's someone that you can sit down with and help and help. I'll probably listen to you if, if you got a problem. Uh, Pope Francis tells gay man, God made you like this and loves you like this. Uh, let's see if we got a minute 13. I bet my father's furious. I was damned. Being outed as gay in the world I lived in meant social death and the ruin of every plan I had for my future. The reality that no one would believe my word against that of a revered holy man like Karadima was jarring. But why was he threatening me? A moment later, I would find out. I was still kneeling at his feet. The next thing I knew, he leaned down and started kissing me. And he told me to put my tongue out. And when his lips were close to mine, even as he began touching me all over, I was paralyzed by fear. So this was where we were. I realized that this was the price I would need to pay to keep my secret secret. Man. Well, the remarks were apparently made to a victim of clerical sex abuse and are the most striking acceptance of homosexuality by the Catholic Church to date. Uh, the, the, it goes on. I, I didn't... Uh, Afterwards, the man he speak. pronounced the words of forgiveness as he made the sign of the cross over my head. He hugged me, and shaking, I got up and walked away. I left that room to embark on a life of quiet desperation. Yeah, man, and what did Pope John Paul do? What did he do? It's all good, man. Sorry that happened to you. It's cool that you're this way. You should be this way. You were born this way. Fuck yeah. Love that guy. Right on. <laughs> uh, let me see. Uh, let, I want to make sure that there's... Uh, I do need to address, I suppose, uh, we have a mental health issue in America, and I definitely think that President Trump is not doing enough uh, to stop events occurring where people are being assaulted, people are being shot, and children are dying, and everybody of every ethnic background is being questioned because they have an ethnic background. We need to move forward, friends. Well, what we need more importantly is just to come together and work it all out. Because otherwise we're going to have a big problem where we have a lot of people being in this echo chamber and not saying nothing. Because nobody's listening. I'll listen. Happily. But Trump, time's up, dude. You got to do something about this. You got to get, you got to, you can't let's go on anymore. You know, uh, I love Texas and there's some great people there. And there's definitely a lot of history. Uh, so we certainly need to instill there will be more great history as opposed to questionable behavior because we just weren't paying attention. I do feel sorry for all of you folks that are affected directly by these events. And I definitely want us all to remember 
that we all have a duty to also appreciate uh, other instances that are that are occurring of uh, uh, instances that are that are also occurring across the globe as well. Uh, Flint, Michigan, still doesn't have water. You know, people are dying, getting bombed on. There's a lot of bad things. So let's bring some light in the world and let's be great role models. And let's be a... Let's be like Bruce Buffer and be a, a pillar of influence in your community and be sure that you can go ahead and actually bring something to the world that is totally worth your time. Because otherwise we're going to... You're going to... We're going to end up wishing and saying if, if, if. Don't be an if person. Say, I'm glad I did this right. You've heard about the black card, right? No, I haven't. <laughs> oh, man. Jeez. Uh, let, me, let me go ahead and... Uh, oof, that's so heavy. But I got to say, um, we need to think about this. More than ever, um, Fear the Walking Dead made a... I'll close with this. Fear the Walking Dead, uh, the, the spoilers. Um, let me go ahead and pull this up, because I want to talk about this right. Uh, last night's episode was really relevant. Because... Um, come on, Safari. Okay. Um, yeah, at, at the beginning of the episode, John got the drop on a vulture who just gotten done cleaning out a fast food joint with with an efficiency that would have impressed the Grinch. Rather than heed Morgan's advice to answer, answer the sharpshooter's question and drive off in the sunset scathed, the, uh, the blinged-out villain went for his gun and got a, uh, a finger, no doubt his itchy trigger one, shot off. Upon finding directions to the vulture's next rendezvous, John came close to losing it as he demanded to know what happened to Naomi. And uh, he, after that, uh, Morgan stepped in, said, don't do this. And John, uh, he, he gave Morgan his guns and nodded to him to make it clear, hold on to this for me. And that was for the Walking Dead saying, look, maybe there's a problem. And uh, they've been weighing in on, on every political issue possible. You know, uh, immigration, uh, definitely, uh, gen uh, LGBTQ plus issues and uh, police brutality and, and the cops, you know, bad, excuse me, uh, bad individuals that happen to have a uniform that aren't necessarily fit for their job uh, acting out. I'll put it that way because I don't want to blant say all cops because you definitely need some kind of paramilitary, whether it's Oath Keepers or whatever. Constitution, you know, we have to have a way to protect it. And how we protect it is we exercise the pen first. Because hopefully, that's all you need. The pen is mightier than the sword. Man. It's crazy times these days, folks. Boom!
Yeah.